Apartments.com believes a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. You guys, today was one whirlwind of a day, but I feel so excited and so grateful to be here with the host of the So Bad Is Good with Ryan Bailey podcast, Ryan Bailey himself. Hello. Oh my gosh. Uh, Comments Nation, I am so excited to be here. You are in good hands today. We are very excited to talk to you. I mean, I am very excited to talk to you, but I'm excited to talk to all of you because what, I mean, we are really at the precipice of glory here because we're almost done with Beverly Hills. There's a lot happening right now. (laughs) I was just telling you before we started recording, I mean, the Beverly Hills trailer just dropped. So I was like, how lucky are we that we even get to talk about the trailer? Because it's amazing. Yeah. I honestly want to kind of start with that. And I'll put the link in the description for anyone who hasn't watched yet. Although by the time this comes out, I'm sure you have. Basically, what, an hour ago, we were blessed with a a little (laughs) sneak peek as to the trailer. And Kathy is really gunning for Rena, huh? Well, I mean, first off, finally, they got this on camera. They might not have got the Sprinter van thing on camera, but we got this on camera. And now we get to see Kathy be Kathy. And I was kind of, I was half, I was half scared that she was going to go into the reunion timid and might not fight back or might kind of bow down. But now that we saw last week's episode with, you know, like, I'm done with this conversation, Lisa, and just walks out. I mean, Kathy gave it to Rinna and said some hard truths. And finally, somebody is bringing up Rinna's treatment of not only Kim Richards, but Lisa Vanderpump. I'm sure Denise Richards will get brought up in the reunion as well. And that actually gives me hope because finally, like this reunion, this this finale episode, I was so bothered that like, why is nobody bringing up that this is a pattern for Lisa Rinna, that this there's history here? Kathy, no doubt, did something wild, I'm sure. But we don't have that on tape. So now it just looks bizarre that they keep pushing a narrative that we, the audience, can never, never see. Right. But maybe this is a hot take. Let's say, hypothetically speaking, we did have it on camera because I agree with you. I think that it was probably bad. I'm sure she really did lose her shit. I still don't think this is warranted. (laughs) No, it isn't at all. (laughs) Kathy's saying in the trailer, saying your contract is up for negotiation or whatever that specific line is. That put chills down my spine because if you really start to think about these ladies and as somebody like Rinna for, you know, like, man, I'm not, I'm giving her credit. She serves a purpose, but there is, she's very plotted in how she does things. Now I'm sure Kathy is to a degree too, but it's really like, what kind of villain are you wanting to see? I'm just so tired of the Rinna type of villain who's so calculated. And I feel this year, probably because of the grief of the passing of her mom, she's been really sloppy, but this does seem very plotted and planned out. And, you know, her and Erica and, you know, 
putting attention somewhere else. These are all things that I firmly believe. And I also believe, like you said, that Kathy completely lost her shit. I, I do believe that. Let me ask you a question though. I, and it's hard to answer, but do you think that Rinna expected Kathy to come back at her in this way based on what we saw in the reunion? Or do you think that Rinna thought, you know what? I think I got her. I don't think she expected it. I think Rinna made so much noise. I mean, there's a Kanye as there's a Kanye-ism to Rinna at times. You know, there, there's like the person that screams the loudest and the most. And, you know, you can kind of see, and even in that last scene from last night's episode with Kyle, you know, dealing with Erica and Rinna, it was like almost kind of heart-wrenching at times because you just saw the exhaustion of dealing with these women and Rinna of like, yo, like I want people to go to my daughter's wedding. Like it's really simple, but I don't think she expected Kathy to come with the force that she did and to involve legal matters. Nobody really has, I think, pulled a Rinna on Rinna before. So in that capacity, I found it like really fascinating. And I'm not arguing with you guys for people that think Kathy's wrong or a villain, like, but that's fine. Like I'm, I would rather Kathy being a villain because I'm not used to that than Rinna, which I'm used to season after season, but it is refreshing to see her kind of get caught up in it for once. Yeah. I mean, you know, to your point about Kyle and it being almost a heartbreaking watching her basically plead with Erica and Rinna, I think we talked about this briefly last time because I think I'm more of a fan of Kyle typically than you are or have been in the past. Well, no, I, she's 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 essential. From the first season, there's not a Real Housewives of Beverly Hills without Kyle, but at times I just feel it's shaky on aligning who she aligns with. Totally. And that's why in this episode, I would say personally, this was one of, I think her best performances maybe ever because she was really honest about where she was coming from. And listen, she's not going to ever stand up to Rinna and Erica in the way that I think a lot of viewers would want her to. But I think for her, this was pretty damn good. Well, we talked about that because really what's in it for Kyle at this point, like she has a really good life. She has like, what is in it to actually like lose her crap on Erica and Rinna. She can just kind of like middle of the road it. And that's why this is kind of heart-wrenching for Kyle to go through because she's finally having to make a hard decision of family or friends that she does a TV show with. You know, like I believe that she is close with Dorit and PK. I don't believe her and Erica hang out after they stop filming. I believe also Rinna is probably kept at a, you know, a text here and there, but I don't think they're the type of friends that you're like, man, we, we work together and that is it. But your work behavior would not actually allow you into my real life off season. Oh, at this point, especially, I mean, she's <laughs> quite literally pleading with them saying, I just want my sister and my nieces at, at my daughter's <laughs> wait, wedding. Wait, I mean, wait, wait, she's, I mean, she's literally saying that one sentence. There's not even, she's not even beating around the bush. She's like, guys, I can't, I'm not comfortable with this. And they keep pushing and pushing. And when somebody pushes that hard, you always got to go like, why is this being pushed so hard down our throat? Like, why will they not relent? Like, why will, like, they're being asked. And that's when it gets awkward because I think we have this really weird divide between how Rinna and Erica think they come off on the show and how they actually come off on the show. It's so funny you say that because in that one scene when they're at Kyle's house right before they leave and Erica and Rin are really, you know, just tag teaming off on each other and Kyle kind of calls it out. She's like, you guys, you guys, look at you guys, freaking frack. It's, it's like Beavis right. and Butthead I compared it to last night. It's like they were bouncing off each other and it got to a point where I was like, is this rehearsed? And like, because then Erica, even in the scene before that, or they were outside and Erica said something and Rin was like, yeah, yeah, what she said. Like they were just backing each other up in this really bizarre, tacky way, or at least kind of it, 
was very cringy to me. And I mean, I, I will say compliments. I think Erica looks really pretty at the reunion. I'm not all negative about Erica, but, um, I just think it's just old because it's like, why are you doing this? You're not actually, you have an end in mind already and your, your minds aren't going to be changed. So there's going to be no resolution. Totally. I mean, when Kyle said that, I know it technically wasn't a fourth wall break because she was just talking about their behavior in the moment, but it almost to me felt like a fourth wall break to be like, you guys have kind of turned into characters of yourself for the show, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was a very light Bravo, Bravo effing Bravo moment. Like it was very, I mean, which I don't mind if you're this many seasons into a show to actually start calling out the reality of how ridiculous this is. I was even shocked with that Doree moment of like, you know, Kyle, you shouldn't have said anything, you know, like, like Doree even said something and Doree, I was like, Doree, no, she, she should have said something. It's all right. Like Doree, I think wants to sweep things under the rug and just like keep things moving in a way. And I don't think, I don't necessarily agree with that either. Cause this is going to come out and keep coming out because of the reunion. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, which we'll get to in a second in terms of the sweeping under the rug, but just one comment on Dorit that I have to say. I've kind of come to the realization in the last few episodes that it's not that Dorit is integral to the show in the sense that she contributes so much, specifically <laughs> yeah. so much drama, but yeah, yeah, yeah. she's kind of like my comfort person in a strange way. You know, it's like, I don't mind seeing her. Well, I, I compare it always to, and this is your, your audience is going to shake their head, but what Luke Gulbrunson was to me on Summer House. I just need somebody to like make some fires, play with his guitar. He doesn't really need to do anything. I just find it comfortable that he's out there having a beer by the fire with the guys. I'm comfortable with that. That's a great comparison though, because it's almost like what Luke brings in maple syrup is what Dorit brings in fashion. I mean, exactly. It's like, okay, cool, mm-hmm. man. Like, yeah, you're going to go tap a tree. Like, that's cute. Like you right. had that situation with Hannah, but you moved past it. And that's like, that's I was bummed that he wasn't even on, like, didn't get picked up back for Summer House because I was like, you need that guy that after the party is going to sit out by a fire and have everybody come out. Mm -hmm. We all know that guy at a party that's like, I want to go play, I want to go ice skating. Like, I think those are necessary, just like Dorit is necessary for the show, even though you couldn't tangibly tell somebody what she specifically brings. It's just Dorit. It's just to read. Exactly. I mean, I really want to talk about Garcelle in in this episode because, you know, I see, I think that most of the audience is a fan of her, which I'm a huge, huge fan. Although I see the occasional criticism that people feel as though she doesn't say to the women what she says in her confessionals. And I disagree with that pretty strongly because I think nine out of 10 times, she's the straightest shooter there. Oh, I mean, and she says it with such a a low, solid voice of like, come on, Rena. Like she says what she means exact. I think in that moment, she also says harsh things in uh, the talking heads, of course, as well. But you're right. A complete straight shooter in my book. I can see where that could get annoying. And I will say that if I was Erica and thank God I'm not for so many reasons, but if I was, I probably would have been taken aback after I went to Aspen. And then I, you know, that, that segment aired on the reel about the diamond earrings, like probably Garcella didn't owe it to her, but she probably should have given her a heads up of, by the way, we're talking about those earrings. We talk about it on the show just because, I mean, that was just something that I was like, okay, that might've hurt a little bit, but for the most part, Garcelle is the voice of reason. She is the every man, every woman, where I feel like she's the voice of sometimes the most centered audience of like, yo guys, is it, you see what's happening? Like, right? Like Sutton is sort of on the right side of history at times, but Sutton will still say some really, really weird, bizarre things out of nowhere. But with Garcelle, you don't have to worry about that. 
No, and Garcelle feels like someone you would actually be friends with in your real life, or if you had. Oh, a I problem. wish. Like, yeah. that's one of the people that I was like, man, I wish. You know, like that, and it's so ridiculous because I don't. You know, you don't want to be friends with any of these people, really, so you can actually talk honestly about them. But I mean, Garcelle's one of those people. Like, oh, you actually seem kind of normal. Like, I would be bummed to find out that Garcelle is horrible in real life. I would be bummed. Oh yeah. And I don't think that's the case. I think Bravo really lucked out with her because she, you know, brings the glam of Beverly Hills, but in a way that is so down to earth. I really, really enjoy her in a deep way. Well, I also think that's like something to be said for sticking with a character for more than one season. I always say like, you need, like there should be an automatic two season pickup for any housewife. I don't care if it's Diana Jenkins. I don't care if it's anybody. We need two seasons because like sometimes one season isn't enough and we could be wrong. The audience could be wrong about, you know, who these people are due to editing or so many reasons. So why not give us the second season? And with Garcelle, I feel like that has paid off in spades because now we actually, I mean, we're really on a very exciting path of potentially next season, depending on how casting goes. If you have Crystal Sutton and Garcelle strong with each other, that really does combat you know, the the Fox Force 5 kind of rumor. And also now Kyle's obviously on the fence with that. So is that the end of the Fox Force 5 for all intents and purposes? Well, my dream since you know, day one has always been for, really for Kyle and Garcelle to, to join forces. That's why at the dinner when Garcelle is really, I think, standing up for Kyle in a way that Rinna never has and basically saying, if she wants to sweep it under the rug, she's entitled to. It's like, I, I was so perplexed as to why that seemed to be um, such an impossible concept for Rinna to really understand or internalize. It's like, they are blood. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really simple to me. And also, we saw, like, I mean, also just, I grew up like with a theater background. And so we always talk about character motivation. So we see Kathy that day. She's already Kathy Hilton. So that's something. She's in her PJs. She's upset. Nobody's drinking her tequila. She's like wearing like flip flops or sandals to a private club. Like I could have told you that Kathy was going to explode at some point. I actually find it interesting that Lisa Reno was the person that decided to go with her. Like to me, that's bizarre. Like Lisa, why did you decide to go with Kathy? Like, did you decide to go because you genuinely care for Kathy or did you decide to go because you knew it would be content down the line? And I, you know, obviously think the latter is, is the, the truth. Also, I will always, I don't know if this footage was, you know, held by the law or whatever, but like Lisa strikes me as somebody that would be recording this with her cell phone. If she got in a sprinter van with Kathy and noticed that cameras weren't on, she knows how to fight with Bravo Instagrammers. Why doesn't she pick up her phone and just start recording Kathy? Like she texts Erica that night and also texts Kathy. You don't think she would record sound of this fit that Kathy is having stomping on her glasses up and down? You know, I just feel like she would do that. Oh, totally. But of of course, the absence of footage or audio makes all the more for really, you know, inflating the story in whatever possible way. I mean, but we're on television. We're not a podcast. That's what I find so weird is that, you know, you can show us and not tell us. And that's where I think it kind of got wonky is that the, you know, the last four episodes or however, you know, the latter half of the season is them telling us what possibly happened. And, you know, and then Lisa not understanding, even though she was the one that had exhibited behavior of like throwing a glass because of Harry Hamlin or threatening this or that. So none of this behavior makes any sense if you actually start dissecting it to me. Let me ask you a question though, because I very much agree with the whole, it didn't hit as hard when they were just telling us we really wanted to see it. And I do think that that's pretty much always the case on reality TV. That's why it works because we typically get the footage. But 
I guess my question is, if this wasn't Rinna that was recounting it, do you think that it would have been not better received by the yes. audience, but more, you know, intensely received? You, you're dead. Okay. So the, I, I always talk about it on the show, the concept of a reliable narrator. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Rinna is our reliable narrator. And the thing is, she's not a reliable narrator. We already don't trust her because we've seen how she's acted in seasons past. Now, if she was in the Sprinter van with Garcelle and Garcelle told us that Kathy threw an absolute insane fit or even potentially Crystal, I could still trust both of them as reliable narrators. I would be like, you know what? They've always remained su- you know, pseudo sane in times past in relating stories. I believe them. But since it's Lisa Rinna, Unfortunately, unreliable narrator to me completely because she's always looking out for herself and how she can one-up somebody in terms of fame or money or power. So I always feel like that's going on in the back of Rinna's head rather than trying to take care of a fellow cast member that is having a, you know, a conniption. Right, right. I am very much on your page about that. It would have been a whole different story if it was someone else that was allegedly in that Sprinter van. For do you sure. Think, do you think Lisa, I mean, this is what I wonder about ego. And this is why we love the housewives because they have these insane egos like Lisa. I do think that gets tiring to a point, but I wonder if Lisa has had any sort of, like she had said with Kathy, you know, like you need self-reflection, you know, I wonder if she's self-reflected at all and regrets, um, any of her behavior or realizes when she's gone too far or when it's like, it's not going to go her way, you know, and, you know, would she try to switch tactics? Will we see by the fourth part of the reunion where Rinna backs down completely? I don't think we do, but, um, I I just wonder what she personally thinks or if her ego always says she's the winner. It's a good question that I don't necessarily know if I have the answer to. I mean, I, maybe I'm in the minority because I don't feel that Rin is a terrible person. I just think that she loves playing this role as if, you know, she's back on the soaps. I really do. And that's, that's so I guess my, my response to you would be, I don't know because I think the conflation between reality and then production yeah. value is so strong. Well, I think it's just somebody playing a character for so long. And we, what we do know about Lisa is that she genuinely loves Hollywood. She loves being invited to events. She loves, you know, she loves all of that about this. And she had a career as a soap opera actor in Melrose Place, all of that stuff. But in reality, this is going to be her greatest role ever. This is going to be the thing that she is the most remembered for. I, I truly, I mean, I definitely believe that. So it, it's somebody pushing so hard because I think they truly want to be remembered. I mean, for the love of God, Drake followed her, you know? I know, but to your point exactly, this is the thing that I am really deeply, continually confused about. I very much agree that having a place in Hollywood, whatever that place looks like, is essential to Rinna's livelihood. You know, not only financially, I genuinely think mentally it's very important to her. And I just think it is really bold if that is your goal to go up against Kathy Hilton, because Kathy Hilton is 10 times more well-connected than Rinna will ever be. And that's just objectively true. But even Erica goes like, I don't think Kathy's very famous. You know, I'm like, Kathy Hilton, like I knew about Kathy Hilton before the Housewives existed. And, you know, you, everybody knows about Paris Hilton, everybody. And if you're really going to start comparing fames, maybe in the Housewives world, um, uh, Kyle or Lisa is more successful, but in the world world. And in terms of pop, if you pull out macro sense in pop culture, Kathy Hilton means more, I think, than all of them, just on on so many levels. And that's why I find it hysterical that I don't really know if they're like living on planet Earth right now. To that exact point, when Rinna says in her confessional, you know, Kathy is just so fucking jealous of the Kardashians. And then two days later, Kris Jenner is commenting hearts on Kathy. I'm like, I don't know. It just, it feels messy to me. 
Well, that's what I'm saying. And you're not, you're in New York, Los Angeles, you guys, you can feel the tension here. You got Calabas, you got the Kardashians over there. You got, I mean, by the way, none of these Beverly Hills housewives live in Beverly Hills. Encino has tension. I mean, these ladies are all spread out. But if you really think about it in terms of a map, you do have the Kris Jenners, the Kathy Hiltons, the, you know, it, it really is funny and how you draw these battle lines. But I think I loved Kathy's statement of you are the biggest bully in Hollywood and everyone knows it. Now, I think that is a little bit of hyperbole. And of course that, you know, but we do know Rinna definitely is a bully, but I also think there's like a sick perversion that Rinna probably is ecstatic that she is considered the biggest of anything. Like, I think she derives pleasure from just being talked about. Well, it's almost like Rinna has kind of in 2022 taken on Paris Hilton circa 2000s of any fame is good fame. I mean, this is why I wish Andy Warhol was still alive and what he would consider, like think about the housewives. I mean, it it's true. And I know we're having probably like this kind of very serious conversation, but there's so many funny moments. It's just gotten so bizarre by the end of this season. And it wouldn't be a Beverly Hills season if you weren't completely exhausted and praying for it to be over. So we've gotten to that point where I'm just like, Okay, I was really excited about the reunion preview, but now we got four more weeks and then we're out. And it's like, I mean, like basketball teams have off seasons. Housewives have off seasons. When do the fans get an off season? Like this is <laughs> this is tense now for like three years running. Well, I was going to say before we actually started recording when we got on, because obviously we have video, you looked a little defeated. <laughs> I, I swear to you, God, I mean, that's my day. That's my natural. That's my go-to look. We get on, and he says to me, I, "I just can't deal with the emotional roller coaster of going from Beverly Hills to Salt Lake City." And honestly, I'm sitting here like, "You are damn right." Well, guys, I mean, they have it on the same night, right? Like, and like, I thought the season premiere of Salt Lake was awesome, but I did watch it like kind of separately at separate times, and I mm-hmm. I watched it before. Um, Beverly Hills. So like, I I thought it was such a great first episode of Salt Lake, but after last night's Beverly Hills finale, I made the mistake of going right into Salt Lake. It's like, you know, when you watch art at a certain time and place, you just got to make sure you watch it so you can give it the right attention. A lot of the times I'll watch these shows two times for my show and I'll be like, oh, thank God I watched it the second time. I have a completely different take on it, but I was, you get exhausted because you're like, this is intense. The way they're covering this is intense. We're going from Erica Jane to Jen Shaw, and we're doing that both on both nights. It can really, and if this is all you do, like this is all I do now, um, it gets it gets sad. It gets intense. So Mother's Day is coming up, and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because. Realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her, but I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter, and it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen. And every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. 
And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, their washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quinn's items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. We will get into, into Salt Lake City, but we got to go back to Beverly Hills for a second. Yeah. And I got to give an honorable mention to Sutton when she flat out asked Erica and Rinna, you know, did someone from your... Hey, did any of you leak this to the press? Like I, I, you know, Sutton finding her voice was such a great pleasure of the season because I thought it would have been so easy for her to roll over after Erica Jane steamrolled her all last season. I thought Sutton was going to come in scared this season. And it was so nice that she didn't. It was so nice that she, I felt found a voice. I just want her to be careful. Is like, Sutton, these ladies are not your friend. Don't like have Erica over for Popeyes. Don't invite Rena over for tea. These ladies throw you under the bus at the drop of a hat. Actually, I want to ask you a question about that because I think that last time you were on, we had a conversation about Kyle and Sutton's friendship. And correct me if yeah. I'm wrong, but I, I, I kind of remember you saying something that's like, you don't feel that Kyle is as much of a friend to Sutton as maybe Sutton thinks so. And I'm curious if your perspective has stayed the same or changed on that. I think next season you will see probably a closer real friendship between Kyle and Sutton. I think Sutton is one of those people that seems to, it's once again how we watch the show and how people in the show feel like it's going. Like I feel like Sutton is laughed at within the show by the other cast members because she does say some wild stuff. But I think people like Garcelle and even like Crystal, like they got to know each other and they kind of like, I kind of understand her better and I respect her, but you can still see she's made fun of like, Rinna and Erica come off like evil stepsisters and Sutton's like Cinderella or something, you know, like it, it really, it, they, they make fun of her. And like Kyle, you would see in earlier scenes from the season would kind of roll her eyes and like, okay, Sutton. And by the way, Sutton does put her foot in the mouth. I mean, she still said something so horrible about the Dorit robbery about like, well, I, I did things too today besides getting robbed. I, I had a busy day, you know? Yeah, I remember coming down hard on her for that. I mean, personally, and the people that have been listening know this, I have really been on a journey with Sutton because the first half of the season, I was like begging for someone to explain to me the appeal. I didn't get it. And I now, <laughs> I get it now. I really, really do. I think Sutton is an unstructured Garcelle in a lot of ways. And I think she mm-hmm. still has the capacity. And what I think about is interesting about Sutton is in a couple of seasons, I could really see Sutton potentially turning to a villain at some point. I could mm-hmm. see, and that's what I think is amazing about Bravo shows is that somebody can go from villain to hero and hero to villain. Um, and I will be interesting to see because I think she definitely earned 
she earned her diamond for next season. You know, I think there's not a doubt in my mind that Sutton's coming back. She withstood this and I think came out with flying colors. I want to circle back for one minute to Kyle kind of dropping the bomb that Kathy launched an investigation. She found out that it was Erica's PR team. <laughs> I have multiple questions. Do you think that that surprised Erica? Meaning, do you think that she thought Kathy would go to those lengths? And second of all, how would you rate her performance in terms of acting uh, shocked when Kyle released that piece of information? I'll start with that one first. Worst acting performance I've seen in a very long time. And you can always tell, you know, there's two types. Well, there's two types. Like she'll do, you, you know, when Erica's lying because she'll say something immediately without thought of like, no, I didn't do it. Like she, like, I don't even know how to do it. The, I don't even know how to do it is like, I even know how to get things to page six. I like, <laughs> like that part was like, oh man, like that's such a huge lie that you just said that we can actually mm-hmm. prove really easily that you know how to leak stories. And I just know she's thinking in the mind of like, oh my God, more money on lawyers. Like I like I'm already, I'm already trying to fight to get these earrings back. And now I got to get information and get lawyers involved with Kathy Hilton. And did you see that scene today that got, was overseas, but not in the American version? Yes. Okay. Let's explain that for anyone that didn't see it. Would you like to? Okay, so it was basically in that ending scene when they're talking about like Erica's publicist and it's the same as Nikki's and he wouldn't do that. They cut to Erica's horsehair party and uh, we see Erica talking about like play by play all of this information and we see the publicist listening. We see the publicist there, which actually then goes, okay, so that really is probably from that publicist. Is that what you took from it at like two? Yes, that was kind of the vibe I got, which by the way, every time something like that happens, I just have this feeling inside of me like I would do absolutely fucking anything to see that editing room floor. You know, it's like, what else is there? What else are we not getting? See, that's what I'm saying. Also, Bravo, if you ever need money, like I'll pay 50 extra dollars a month for a bra. Like I've always said this, where you give me all the footage, I get to piece it together how I like. I will not sell it or post it, but I want all the audio tracks. I want to be able to bump Ramona up on, like you could watch New York old episodes four different times and just bump up a different character each time because they all talk over each other. What we don't see on these shows, like I was remembering like Secrets Revealed episodes. I'm trying to remember what, maybe it was Beverly Hills, but I was like, this is amazing. Or they'll always do those never before seen episodes uh, the next week with scenes. And they're always amazing scenes that I'm like, this fills out the story and gives it so much more context. And I know you're pressed for time, but like, bravo, I'll watch two hour episodes, yo. You went an hour and 15 on me on Salt Lake last night, but you choose to like leave Beverly Hills at an hour and leave out really good things that fill out the story more. I don't get that. I know. I know. I Trust me. I feel your frustration. Let me ask you a prediction. Do you think if you were a betting man at this moment, do you think that Kathy Hilton appears in next season? That's such a good question. Now, I think I, you know, I was telling you last time I was on that I was like, I don't know why Kyle would still want to be on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but think about this, like think about if they present like a very different sort of housewives. What if it's a ghost of Christmas past for Lisa Rinna? What if next season you got Lisa Rinna, you can bring her back. And Erica, so they have, she has a teammate. But you also have Kathy. You have Kyle. You have Denise. 
You have Kim Richards. And these don't have to be full-time housewives. You have everybody that Lisa Rinna has just rolled over for the last, like, you know, however many seasons she's been on and have it kind of this reckoning. And I do feel... I felt like Kathy was like, there's not a chance in hell, but then I've noticed how much the fans have like really, and the the fans have been, I feel honest about like, I believe she totally had a breakdown. I believe she probably said wild stuff that I, some of it, I, if it's true, I do not approve of, but I don't take how to talk to people. I don't take my cues from Kathy Hilton. So like, I know how to talk to people. Maybe Kathy doesn't, but I I think she is going to come back because I think she, like anybody loves the love and love. Like, she's like, wow, like I am actively being talked about. Like I am, and people are taking my side. I think she was genuinely scared that people would completely fall for whatever story Lisa was saying. And then I feel like, wow, like Kathy's realizing, you know, it's another one of those stepping into your strength. And I would, I would be very curious. I think she will come back next season. She doesn't need to, but I think she will. I think honestly, it's going to have so much to do with one, how the reunion went, and then two, how the reunion is received. Because right now, and and most likely it'll track. Most likely it'll continue to people say the way that people responded to that one little preview we got tonight of of her saying, Rina, you're the biggest bully in Hollywood. Most likely that will continue. So if that continues, yeah, I could see her coming back a little because you know what? I think she's having fun. Well, I mean, there is, I think it's not near the, as entertaining, but you know how, like, and by the way, Potomac this Sunday, you guys don't forget Giselle and Karen. It's like the Batman and the Joker. Like they need each other. Like, could this potentially be like a Rena Kathy where they are like, just, they are each other's villains to each other. You know, like they need, like one's a hero, one's a villain and they just fight, fight, fight. Could that possibly be something that even keeps Rena on the show instead of getting her off the show. I know these are just weird things. (laughs) I just sit around and think about fantasy football and housewives, but like it would be very exciting to see all of these old faces return and have Brenna face some sort of reckoning because she's always the one questioning and bringing up things and nobody really has ever put her in uh, you know, in the hot seat in a sense. I mean, because she's always, she's too good at it. She knows how to get out of it. And so I would truly be interested to see if, and yeah, like it's going to depend on the reunion, but aren't you also scared that, you know, I saw the preview for the first part of the reunion next week, you guys, and Jamie Lee Curtis is the surprise guest. I think a lot of us called that. And I'm just so scared that we're not going to see Kathy until the second half of the last part of the reunion. I mean, that's a very, very large possibility. But listen, we've seen so far, what, the footage of Garcelle filming with LVP. We saw Sutton Instagramming with Denise Richards, to your point. Oh, yeah. oh, that's what I said that the other day. Sutton, you guys, has created an army. Sutton was hanging out with Camille Grammer at the Stevie Nicks concert. Uh, I mean, she really, I was like, wow, pretty soon she's going to hang out with Carlton. Like, I mean, we're going to bring everybody back from Beverly Hills. But I was like, Sutton, like this hat, this is wild. I was like, is Sutton actually starting to play the game fully? So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. 
So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics Mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Do you feel comfortable moving to Salt Lake City? I don't feel comfortable. Uh, <laughs> yeah, of course. I'll do whatever you want. Now, the one last thing I want, and so sorry if I'm making this run long, but um, no, we do have to mention Diana Jenkins. She just disappeared by the end of the season. Like, it was just like, I, I mean, like she was building, 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 and then all of a sudden, I, I just disappeared. And I don't know if that was actually the reality of that. But if you like, we talk about like being paranoid about editing, I'm like, or did they start editing out once she started sending cease and desist around to Bravo accounts and stuff? Like I got, I started getting like, well, like how did she just disappear all of a sudden? Like we barely saw her in the last four episodes. Yes. But let me ask you something. Don't you kind of think it was for the better? Like to me, there was nothing that Diana was going to bring. (laughs) that completely. No, but that was the thing. That's why I always said that second season thing. Cause I'm like, well, maybe if they had a second season, we'd, we'd know a little bit more about her. Cause I just feel like she is even more of a mysterious figure than she was when she came in. But you're right. It, it's better in some ways because I was really getting nervous. Like I, I didn't shock me and supposedly she has COVID, but it didn't shock me that she is, you know, zooming in from Hawaii for the reunion. No, it didn't shock me either, but I don't feel that it, it was a miss. It was kind of like, I I just met you. I can't get this invested in this much bullshit. Like I can get invested in bullshit when it's been a few seasons. It's very similar, different, but it's very similar to how I felt about Noella on OC. I was like, yes. this is asking a lot, you know? Yeah. Well, it was like, it's those people that try to give us everything all at once and they end up giving us 10 personalities. And I'm not saying that with Diana, but Noella especially, it was like, okay, well- that you showed us so much. I still have no clue who you are. And I was even with Noella. I like, I didn't love her personally, but I wanted her back for another season. So that's why I think you do need to invest a little bit more time, even in these characters, just so we, we can kind of, and that's why I think with the Rinna and, you know, it's like by this point, we've seen Rinna do it all. We've seen Kyle do it. All. Like we're so used to these things, like Kyle being middle of the road, 
you know, Rinna pulling it out for, you know, blaming everybody. And I don't know, the Diana thing, I truly believe that is a one and done situation. Yeah, very, very, very possibly. We'll see. We shall see. Moving into Salt Lake City, (laughs) a lot (laughs) happened in here. I mean, I saw a tweet tonight that basically said, a cast of five housewives works when every single one is bringing it. And to me, it feels like every single one is bringing it. Yeah, they're really lucky. A lot of the times, and I'm trying to think of which other season or which other franchise had a five person. And I was, oh, it was New York the last season. I was like, it's too much responsibility. Like Sonia's going to bed early at times. Like, I mean, like this is too much pressure on these ladies. But this right now, we're only two episodes in. By the fourth episode, we'll probably all say we hate this, like we do everything. But they really are all bringing something unique. And I always compare it to that. It's We're still in that um, coming back to school after summer break you know, where you're like, oh man, it's good to see you. You look different. What happened? Like, so you're still excited to like, I was so excited to catch up with these ladies again last week. And then this week it just it got more intense. And I was like, man, we are really, we're in the thick of it already with these ladies. Like we were, we got intense real quick. Yeah. I mean, just for context time-wise for a second. So Jen was arrested. If we flash back, she was technically arrested March of 2021, right? And this is being filmed now, roughly February of, of 2022. So we're about a year out from her arrest. And at the time, we're a month away from what was going to be her trial because the trial was supposed to start March 2022 after it was initially postponed from October because of COVID. And the trial then gets postponed to July 18th. And July 11th, she pleads guilty. So we're now at a case where sentencing is scheduled for November. But at the time that this was being filmed, she thinks she's a month out from the trial and she's still maintaining her innocence at this moment. It's really, and I think it's very interesting to watch, like, you know, it's like uh, the movie Titanic. Like we all know the boat goes down at the end. So when you watch the movie with Jack and Rose, you're like, oh, wow, this is crazy. Cause I know they die. Like, you know, this guy dies at the end. Spoiler alert, uh, Leo dies. Um, (laughs) But we already know Jen changes her plea. So every scene with Jen Shaw is that much more painful because she's just flat out lying. Like it's, it is so painful to watch that scene this week with her mom, because it's a scene that actually paints this very sad portrayal of her family and her, and she's selling it. And she does, has, she has a thousand piece puzzle to do with her mom, which by the way, like, do you think they'll finish that by the time she goes to jail? Like (laughs) she knows. And we had that scene last season that she, you know, her mom gave Jen her retirement money to fight her case. To me, it's really hard because you do have sympathy and empathy for her family, but it's very hard for me as a viewer to sometimes – I just wish – I wish at some point Jen will be like, I got myself here. I unfortunately brought my family into this. I did this. I, I, I would be very interested if she'll ever come to that point because that's the part that breaks my heart is that deep down she knows she's guilty. And she – you know, and 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 it's really hard to watch that – the gem stuff. It is difficult to watch. And I, I want to ask you something because, you know, if you compare Jen's alleged crimes with the situation that Erica's in, technically, if you just want to look at it, it's really that Jen allegedly did these things herself. And in Erica's case, it's Tom did a bunch of stuff that Erica may or may not have known about. And according to the judge, didn't. Yet I feel that, and I actually find myself even being guilty of this. I find that I am 
uh, more sympathetic to Jen than I am to Erica, even though if you technically look at them on writing, <laughs> Jen's the worst. I don't know where that well, comes from. It's so hypocritical. Well, I will say we have not heard, uh, I don't believe we've had a scene yet where Jen has said she doesn't give a shit about the victims. Like, I don't think, you know, like, I don't think we've gotten that where we got a very specific, and I do, like, just to go back to Beverly Hills for like, I, I mean, I forgot until they showed it again last season that, yeah, just three episodes ago, she was like, I don't care about anyone but me, Erica Jane. Like she said that. And then we're talking about Kathy all of a sudden when we had that episode where she looked, we were reminded of why a lot of us don't like Erica Jane, even though her husband did the majority of all these crimes. She still is somebody that I can't sympathize with just because she is so heartless. But with Jen, she has not I'll be very curious. I mean, like, you know, I know she throws Stuart under the bus. I know she throws. It'll be interesting to see since they had filmed this season before the change of plea, what information we'll get and how much they allow in that with editing of her going like, well, this is the real deal that happened. And this is how I got caught up in it. I got conned just like those elderly people. You know, it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, like we do see her kids and we do see Coach Shaw. And sometimes we sympathize with men more than we do with women. And so you'll get that thing with like coach of like, oh, I feel bad for that guy. You know, I feel really, my heart goes out to those boys and stuff. And, you know, she said in this episode, you know, the coach went into the son's room and the son was crying and like, I don't want to be without my mom. And if that situation is true, that is heartbreaking, no matter what Jen Shaw did, because that is not that boy that did those crimes that is going to lose a mother that potentially was a good mother. Oh, totally. I mean, that's even last season when we saw the ring footage of, you know, the police with guns and her her boys with hands up, which was really, really heartbreaking to watch. They did nothing wrong. One thing we can say for sure is that her kids did absolutely nothing wrong, which I actually also think, you know, now that I, now that we're discussing it, I'm thinking, I know, of course, Erica has a son, but potentially the fact that Erica as a mother is such an undiscussed plot line, and this isn't fair, I'm just being totally honest. Potentially that is one of the reasons that, um, maybe I, we haven't been, in addition to just how she is, I'm talking really just, you know, face value, maybe haven't been as sympathetic because Jen paints this picture of leaving her her kids and, and that is heartbreaking. So I don't know. Yeah, she will. And by the way, she is also one of the most brutal Salt Lake housewives in terms of anger and all of that stuff, but she will have those very soft moments of completely, uh, you know, uh, of tears, uh, strong emotions, very sad. She'll have the range of those emotions where with Erica, PK got it right the first time. You're not just cold, you're inherently cold, you know? And that Mm -hmm. is why we never fully, like, it's like just all of it. Like the music is good at times, but it's cold. Like it's expensive to me as a bop, but can you really like, you know, this (laughs) this isn't like Rocket Man. I mean, right. With Jen, though, she does show that range of emotions. The thing that I get curious about with Jen is that she has these other ladies standing up for her. Like, I spoke with Heather Gay on my pod, uh, you know, like during the second season. And I said, if Jen turns out to be guilty, like, what are you going to do? And she's like, she's still my friend. I still stand by her. And, and, and she even did an interview recently where she said the same thing. And I believe Meredith did as well. And that is like, I've seen Jen bash both of those ladies very harshly on the show and you still are choosing to stick by her. And I'm like, what makes Jen, is she just a magnet? Is she just like one of those friends that we all have that when they shine their light on you, you feel so special 
You know, like we all have that one friend that you're like, oh, if that one friend talks to me, you just feel good. You're like, man, I'm like a cool dude. Like that, my friend talk, you know, like there's that, always that one friend we have that you just want their attention from. Is that what Jen is to these ladies? One, I think absolutely. And second of all, you know, it may sound really oversimplified, but I think she's a lot of fucking fun. And I think that these women specifically, you know, specifically Heather, I, I think this is an important element to kind of acknowledge, you know, Heather, it's only recently that she's kind of come into her own in terms of allowing herself to have fun and to go to a a lingerie themed party. That's not something that Heather years ago would ever permit herself to do or feel that she was allowed. And so I think the energy that Jen, and this is not an excuse, but I think it's, you know, if I'm analyzing it to me, the energy that Jen brings to Heather's life is almost like she's getting to live, you know, the college year she never had kind of. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, that was so, uh, you could even tell with that scene when she called her daughter and her daughter was like, yeah, we kind of had a late night and she's like on a Thursday night we weren't like that at BYU and you could see the excitement in Heather's eyes of like yeah girl you get it like she was proud of her daughter she was like yeah Thursday night party and I love it and you know we do know you know like we started the first season of Salt Lake with Lisa Barlow calling her a good time girl and that she was like you know she painted her out as this type of person at BYU that was not as cool as Lisa Barlow was you know and so it's very interesting to see Heather, like Heather's also the first one to flirt with anybody now in any scene. I mean, she gets right in there. I was loving that. I, I lo- those those make me real happy. I <laughs> I want to see one of those come to fruition for her badly. Well, I think I mean, didn't like that first season when they had that party at Jen Shaw's house for like one of her uh, cousins' part. You know, like didn't she like go off with some dude that night that she met at that party, oh. like some football player or something? I think she. That's sounding very familiar. I think she may have. But again, to my point, like. Let her do it because there was a lot of years. Live it she up. Could. Oh my yeah. God. Live it up. Like yeah, that, yeah. There is no shame in that. That is like only, you know, that's why, you know, the, this, this Mormon religion is so strong. I mean, religion in general, you know, the people that really devote their lives to it. And that's what I love about Salt Lake because you're already coming in with this foundation that has such gravitas because it has religion. Like with Beverly Hills, you, you're, it, it's like kind of like cars and, you know, sparkly dresses. But this is one of the first franchises that, for each of these ladies, there was like a religious element to it. I mean, Whitney like made the decision to excommunicate herself from the church last week. Like that's really like Heather saying like, wow, you are choosing outer darkness than to be affiliated with the church. Like if the church and their word is true, you have chosen to walk in outer darkness. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you, not as they really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. So you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. Then the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS.
Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify Eye Drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out LumifyEyes.com to learn more. So obviously a huge 180 this season is this kind of budding alliance between Whitney and Lisa. And something never in our wildest dreams would we have seen last season is Lisa actually coming early to the trip with Whitney, you know, as, as her plus one, which is just so wild in so many ways, but I like them together. I like them together too, but it is just funny to see how things, that's what I love about the shows is how these things change. I mean, the first episode of the season, you have Lisa like, hi, Heather, I guess I have to meet with you and hang out now. And now she's like, it's like a politician campaigning of like, okay, I've got to try to have friends too. And Whitney is so, you know, she's like, I was at an energy healer and I felt Lisa and she was a crying little girl. And I was like, oh my God, like, like Whitney's such a good person that she will accept Lisa in and Lisa needs it right now. So Lisa has like people like Heather and, and Whitney who have always, She's always treated as like she remember she didn't invite him to her girls lunch in that first uh, season and now she needs them and I think that's really just fascinating. I have a question. Do you think that there is any part of Heather that still feels the way she felt season 1 which is that in some ways Lisa Barlow is this cool girl and she seeks her validation? Do you think any of that has has maintained cuz I kind of do and I love Heather. A thousand percent. I think you'll always see those people as like wanting their approval. And that's why you sometimes have to remove yourself from the situation because you'll not be able to help yourself because you'll always want to do whatever it takes to be in their good graces. And, you know, that's why I was like scared with Sutton and Beverly Hills of like, don't try to be friends with Erica. Like, don't try to think she's the cool girl because she's not. Follow your own drummer. And with Heather, we all see that. Like, hey, man, you're a pretty cool drummer. Follow your own beat. Like, but yeah, I think that completely is still the case. And Heather doesn't need Lisa Barlow at this point. But that's another thing of like us, the audience knows that. But the people inside the show don't know that. It's their real lives. Totally. I want to read a tweet from last night, which was Meredith saying, I don't show up places uninvited. This past year was the first time I was invited over, referencing Whitney's comment about how yeah. Meredith never came. And Whitney quote tweets it and says, it would be nice if you showed up and seen and didn't hide behind your keyboard on Twitter. By the way, tonight's not tonight to come and meet. You of all people, quote, should know that. And someone responds and says, I still don't get the actual fight between you and Meredith. Did I miss something? And Whitney responds, no, she had a revenge plan for Lisa and I got in and stopped it. More to come. It actually really hurts that she would come at me tonight of all nights. It was hard enough for me to watch tonight's episode and then to have her come at me for her wrongdoings. Which the Lisa aspect of it is interesting because we're about to see how this now manifests itself in terms of is Heather on Team Meredith and Whitney goes Team Lisa. What does that look like? Well, yeah, because if you watch the preview, you guys, for next week, we see Heather lose her crap again, like, and like just yelling in Whitney's face. So something, obviously, this will be the start of the breakup of bad weather, potentially. And I mean, that's going to be wild. Like, I, I, I don't know, but also, 
Just to point out again, this is the brilliance of Jen Shaw, is once again, Jen Shaw has the most drama going on in her actual life, and she once again escapes. Like, she truly escapes. She gets the big room in the house. People kind of leave her alone. They're not coming for They're not asking her questions about the trial. And our main focus is Meredith and Lisa. And I always just say this on my show is like, I was shocked that she decided to do the second season because I was like, well, that's got to be dumb because they can use that against you in trial. And then at the end of the season, I was like, wow, she actually ended up looking good on this season comparatively to all the other ladies. And once again, we're already into the season. And it's like, Jen, I think Jen even has to at times go, wow, man, these ladies are dumb. Like they could come at me anytime they want and they're not. And I have the most to come at right now. Right. I was, I was dying in her confessional. And she was like, you know, one thing about this whole situation is I do get the best rooms. And I was like, you're right about that one. Let's hope that continues uh, whenever sentencing happens. Also, I mean, Jen is completely getting off on the Meredith Lisa feud because she, I think all she wanted so badly after last season was to feel accepted back by Meredith. And she's not letting that go too easily. Yeah. And also it, just, it is one of those fascinating things that you can tell on the off season I mean, Meredith sat with those hot mic comments with Lisa, and you just saw that this aided her and aided her, and Meredith came in with a plan. Like, if you're saying, like, Rinna and Erica potentially came in with a plan to attack Kathy, this thing, she came in with a plan. I mean, then she had that scene with Seth last week where it's like, I got ramen because I guess we can't afford real food. <laughs> That scene was just to say that, like, Seth is so important and successful and, she, you know, you've got 4,000 employees and she put them at risk, too. Like, Meredith, I feel like every scene she has, like, some kind of checklist of, like, I've got to make sure I say this about Lisa, this about Lisa, and this about Lisa so the audience sees it. Okay, so let me ask you a f- multiple questions. The first is, do you think, previous to Hot Mike moment, all of that fighting, do you think... I'll even go as far as to say going into Housewives, right? Because they had been friends previously. Do you think that it was an equal friendship or do you think that Lisa always craved Meredith's validation in a way that Meredith didn't? You know, I I, I mean, this, is, this could be the wrong opinion and, and I'm fine with it, but I, I thought it was kind of equal in a certain way or as equal as ladies like that can be friends at a certain point. You know, I think like when you're at a certain age and a certain success or you're trying to show off your wares and how successful you are in a town, like I sometimes wonder about how genuine you can actually go with a friendship. But for all intents and purposes, I felt like it was even, and that's why I feel this truly stings Meredith, because there is there is this element of truth. I mean, it's horrible what Lisa Barlow said, but there are elements of truth if you break that monologue down. And also, once again, Jen Shaw is the first one in the first season to bring up the rumor that Meredith was sleeping with somebody or dating somebody in New York. If you guys remember, once again, Jen Shaw's not being questioned by Meredith because we have the least. I mean, like once like Jen committed that too, she just didn't do it on a hot mic moment. She actually did it, you know. So I find that fascinating that once again, like Jen was a part of this, if you're upset about that as well. But yeah, I, I think this is. I mean, sometimes you say something so bad in a friendship that I truly don't know if you can ever come back from. And I think that is this potentially. See, it's not that I disagree with that. You know, I think it's really easy as the viewer to say, you know, Meredith, Lisa just lost her temper. I think you should forgive her. It's easy as a viewer. I don't know how easy it is in real life. I don't know if I would be so quick to accept someone in my life that says something like that about me on national television, even if it was in a fit of rage. But the thing I do agree with Lisa is, is when she says in her confessional, you know, 
I was a great friend to Meredith for 10 years. And it was my one mistake made her feel like you're, you're a horrible person. You haven't been my friend and that's bullshit. And I agreed with her when she said that. It's like, I fully get Meredith being pissed, but I think she's riding it in a way that's calling all of Lisa's characters into question. And it's like, you thought she was a great friend before this. So where'd that come from? Yeah, I mean, it is. Mm, I, it was interesting because like, last week she was just like, you know, well, people were saying on the bus ride up that you weren't my, like she was trying to explain it to Seth. You know, it's like, well, people were saying she wasn't my friend and she did it, you know, and it just got to me. And I feel like, you know, you Monday morning quarterback all of these moments then. And at the end, of, I mean, I don't know. I'm just, I'm really don't know where this goes, except that I think that, it, you know, this fight will then, like you said, cause all of the other fights. I mean, my, my final point from this episode that I wanted to discuss is when they're at the shaman and, you know, Meredith is having a moment and Lisa says, you know, I, I know that I used to be that safe space for you. And Meredith immediately shuts her down. You are not that space. And Lisa kind of walks away. It's like, I, I have to now wonder, and this is said as someone who really deeply likes Meredith and understands that we're still early on. She's still now first getting to confront Lisa about the hot mic moment, but is it going to become a Lisa Rinna situation in terms of really milking it? You know, is that what's going to happen? And I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I truly don't know either because I'm curious how they, they piece this season together. Like I'm not truly, cause I know they filmed it before the change of plea for Jen. So I'm I'm truly wondering how this is, you know, how they bring that storyline into it. What is the fallout from the Lisa Meredith thing? Do we ever even get a, potential reunion between friends. We know the Heather and Whitney stuff starts next week, but we also know we're only two episodes into the season and we got like 18 or 19 left. So that's a long, long time to go. And there's got to be more that we don't know that is ahead of us, which I guess is the exciting part of any new season of Housewives. Exactly. I mean, that's why... I love being in it all together and I love being in it with you. <laughs> <laughs> We're in the foxholes, baby. This is yeah. war. Like, which side are you on? We're going to, hey, by the way, BravoCon, it's war, you guys. We uh, we meet at the Beverly Hills panel. Like, I can't wait. I cannot wait. We're going to meet for the first time. And, I know. I'm so excited about, I'm so excited to meet. All, that's what I was saying. Like, people were like, oh, which Bravo Lebs are you excited to meet? I'm like, well, I mean, not really any of them. I'm excited to meet like, like, the fellow fans like me, like, you know, it's like one of the only places you can go and like everybody's kind of potentially already family. I'm probably giving it way too much weight now that I say that out loud. Were you at BravoCon last year? No. Or whatever no. it was? No, because I, I was like the guy that thought it was going to be like Firefest. I was like, there's no way they're going to pull that together. And I truly regretted it because it looked awesome and everybody said it was so cool. Well, what you were describing honestly isn't so fantasy-based. It's real. It's, it's very unique to be in a situation where every single person in the room, not only do you know that you have such a strong shared interest, but also the level of knowledge of everyone is so high because you're not going to BravoCon if you just kind of loosely follow Bravo. You know, you're going if you're a diehard fan. And so- Yeah, this is, is Comic-Con. This is Comic-Con. We are like yeah. full-on nerds. It is all, We are nerds, like nerds with cool taste coming to this thing. Totally. And I'm, that's what I'm saying. It's a very, it feels almost euphoric to be there. So I'm excited for you to experience it. And I'm so excited to meet in real life. I mean, I'm already <laughs> exhausted. Aren't you already exhausted? You know, at my most tired, which was that giant watch what happens when they did squash the beef. I just looked over at Corey Bierman and I said to myself, <laughs> please, 
he's that's where I'm getting my energy from because he is <laughs> if he can do it I can <laughs> yeah he was on there he was chanting husband of the fucking year so that's uh that's what I was channeling <laughs> yeah like I'm curious are you doing the uh Andy's ball thing and uh yeah I don't know which I don't even know which day we got the we got the email but I have no idea yeah no but I'm excited for yeah. I'm excited for all of it oh, me too I mean I cannot thank you enough seriously you came in so clutch in the last minute. This was completely unexpected. And as always, I'm just really appreciative. And please, I no, know- thank you. Thank such- you to you and your audience. The last time I was on, everybody was so nice to me. It was so cool. And I'm sure I got so like new listeners from it. It was just so neat. You guys are the best at what you do. I always say that, but you're genuinely good people. And that's why I'm so glad that we've stayed in touch because it's really nice to meet genuine people doing this that really kind of make me think of things in a different way. Um, and so thank you for even thinking of me to come in last minute because it's always better to talk about this stuff with someone than alone in my room, which is how usually I do it. And it's just so much more fun when you get to bounce off somebody else. So thank you for thinking of me. <laughs> oh my God, always. Thank you. Thank you for being here. And don't forget Ryan's podcast, So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. And also, I know you had said before, you don't know if it's oh, yeah. exactly perfect, but I, I think it is. I want you to tell them about your new podcast. It's it's uh, for iHeart uh, Radio and Cloud Ten Productions. It's called "What the Kids Are Watching" with me and Natalie Poucher, which she actually has a housewives connection. She used to be Heather DeBro's assistant and was on her podcast, but she has a podcast for iHeart as well. And they teamed us up, and she has like a like a beautiful three year old daughter, and we recap children's shows, so like Bluey, Tractor Ted, Paw Patrol. And I do not have a kid, so I come at it from like a completely different perspective than she does. But it's usually like 50-minute episodes once every two weeks. We just started it about a month and a half ago. And if you have kids and have watched some of these kids' shows, you, I think, will really, really enjoy this. I just love that you do that. It's, it's kind of very niche. And I just think that you are, I've said this to you a million times, I think you really have a gift for what you do. So I love it going into all these different genres. Thank you guys uh, for anybody listening. And uh, Isabel will be back next week. Yes, but really, really thank you. And I will link all of Ryan's everything in the description. Thank you, Ryan. You are a gift and I'm so appreciative.